For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Your line is muted. Only the host can unmute your line. Raise your hand using star 2 so the host knows when you want to speak. And we're going to sing a few songs before we start the program. I want to welcome aboard Toronto, who's already with us, who's very timely on time, I must say. Aboard John. Welcome aboard Facebook Live as well. And Mark is going to first read some scriptures for us, and then we're going to sing some songs. So I'm going to turn the camera over so Mark can. John 13, 2 through 7. Supper being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, to pray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. All right, well, thank you, Mark. Can you smile for everybody yeah. and wave? <laughs> You're going around the world, my yes. friend. It's okay. Uh, the first song we're going to sing is Master of the Tempest is Raging. Yeah. And um, we'll uh, sing that. And we're going to sing a psalm. And we'll see where we're at. Mark, you want to start this? Master of the Tempest is Raging. The billows are tossing high. The sky is overshadowed with blackness, no shelter or help is mine. Fearest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep? When snowing so badly is threatening, a grave in the angry deep. The winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm shall see, or devils or men, or whatever it be, no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace be still. Master with anguish of spirit, I bow my grief today. The depths of my sad are 
for our troubles, awaken and save, I pray. Torrents of sin and of anguish, sweep o'er my sinking soul. I perish, I perish, dear Master, of hasten and take control. Master, the terror is over, the elements sweetly rest. Her son in the comic is near, and heaven's within my breast. Linger, O blessed Redeemer, leave me alone no more. And with joy I shall make the blessed harbor, and rest on the blissful shore. The winds and the waves shall wave, I will peace you still. Whether the wrath and the storm shall see, or devils or men or whatever it be, no waters can swallow the ship for us, the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace be still. Okay, we're going to sing a song. And Rosette would like to sing. Page 35, Psalm 27a. Page 35, Psalm 27a. The Lord's my life and saving strength. It shall make me this way. My life's strength is the Lord of them. And shall I be afraid? For when my enemies and those most wicked persons all against me rose to eat my flesh, they stumbled and did fall. Against me, though I lost again, my heart yet fearless is. The word against me rise, I shall be confident in this. One thing I own, the Lord desire, and will seek to obtain, that all days of my life I may within God's house remain, that I the beauty of the Lord, behold, may and admire, and that I in His holy places may reverently inquire. Well, we'll sing one more. We'll see if Brother Mark Kennedy has joined us. One of Mark's favorite songs, Mark Phillips' favorite songs, is 363. This is written by John Newton, the former slaveholder. And I think we all probably have felt this way at times, called Tis a Point Along.
see all the other people that are doing this. So we're always glad to have our guests that be joining us. Now it looks like uh, Brother Mark Kennedy has joined us. And Mark, I just unmuted your mic. Welcome aboard, brother. Hi. I just finished. Good. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're live. We're recording. We're on Facebook. And I'm going to try to see if we can uh, simulcast on YouTube tonight because oh. we've had some we've had some requests from YouTube uh, wanting us on there. The people that no longer grace the face of Facebook. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go onto YouTube right now and start the simulcast there as well. Um, okay. While I'm doing while I'm doing that, feel free to jump right on. We've already uh, done our little worship time. We've sung our two songs and our psalm. So okay. I'm, going to turn this, I'm going to turn this over to Brother Mark Kennedy. He's going to do part two of Is It Mandatory for Tithing in the New Testament Church? It's all yours, okay. Brother. Okay, uh, now before I start, this lesson is a really long one. I can do it two ways. I can go really fast and try to get everything in, or I can, or I can go at regular speed and we can divide this lesson into two parts and do another one next week and finish up with part three. So whichever way you want to do it. Well, that's going to be your call, brother, because it's your show. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go at my regular speed because I've been sitting here working all day and I'm a little tired. So I'm gonna go at my regular speed and we'll just get as much done as we can. And if there's enough left over, we'll do a part three next week. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. So this is called is tithing biblical the tithing deception part two all right here we go is tithing biblical did the old testament prophets and jesus in the new testament endorse it there are many seemingly sound christian ministers in organized religion today who strongly support it and vehemently denounce anyone who dares to disagree with them on this or other topics of doctrinal disagreement are they right biblically, or does Scripture refute their alleged claims of biblical expertise? Now, I'm coming through clearly on my sound, right, Larry? Coming through uh, very good, and uh, Kevin is trying to join us. And, Kevin, if you hear this, uh, feel okay. free to call in, and uh, I'll try to get you on talk to you. <laughs> okay. All right, continue here. In this second and concluding, if we get through it, if not, we'll do the third part next week. In this second part of our study, we'll, we will uh, continue or conclude by examining the remaining readings of the Old Testament scripture and related New Testament scripture that shows that tithing was part of the Old Covenant and was connected to the Levitical priesthood and therefore is not relevant to Christian theory and practice today. So our next reading continues to prove our case that tithing is not a New Testament practice. We go to the 14th chapter of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23 in the King James Version. Verse 22. Thou shalt truly, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. Verse 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithes of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thy oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. So who is this command addressed to? It's addressed to the children of Israel. Again, historical context is so important. It cannot be overstated. Everything mentioned in this text is something that you eat, something edible. Your oil, your wine, your grain. Oil, wine, and grain. The firstlings of your herds and flocks. You will say yes, but that was the equivalent of our money today. Well, everybody today is not a farmer like they were in that time, so that is a dishonest correlation at best and really not relevant at all. Do you have any comments, Larry or Kevin? Well, Kevin is not with us yet, but as far as my comments, uh, I guess my only uh, thought would be that, you know, like you said last time, uh, Mm -hmm. Many times people forget that we are under a new and better covenant. Yeah. We're not under, like you said last time, we're not under the Levitical law. And I'm sure glad we aren't. <laughs> okay. But uh, I'm, I'm glad for the liberty that we have in Christ. Go ahead. Amen, brother. Me too. All right. Let's keep reading. So continuing on in Deuteronomy chapter 14. All right, verse 24. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Verse 25. Then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Verse 26, And thou shalt bestow that money for whatever thy soul lusteth after, for oxen, for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink. Keep it under control there. <laughs> or for whatever, whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thine, highest, and thine household. Verse 27, And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. Verse 28, At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithes of thine increase the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. Verse 29, and the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied 
that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand, which thou doest. Now I can hear the legalists snickering. See, it was about money. Wrong again. This was a special consideration granted by the Lord for those who could not, for whatever reason, travel the extremely long distances with all of the voluminous supplies that Old Testament tithes consisted of. Now, let's not be absurd here. Yes, they had money, but it was not about the money, except in this rare circumstance in which God said to them first to first change it into money and then to go to the place of the Lord's choosing and to use that money to buy whatever they wanted, oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, or whatever thy soul desired, and while they were doing that, to remember the Levite within their gate, because the Levites had no inheritance and were granted the tithe by God for their work in servicing the operations of the temple. Also, every three years, they were to bring forth all the tithe of their increase in that third and same year and to lay it up within their gates and the Levite, because of them having no inheritance from the Lord, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow within said gates were bidden to come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord's blessing would continue upon them. So in the final analysis, it was not the mon- not money that was given, but food. And who was it given to? The Levites first. And then after that, the poor, the fatherless, and the widow. Okay, so so that should settle that. Hey, now, I have a comment. I have a comment. Oh, I have a, comment, uh, yes. you, had, oh, you really had me worried when you started talking about that strong drink because I know you didn't have Facebook Live up, and I've just taken a real strong drink of coffee, my friend. <laughs> okay, it's not that kind of strong drink. You know the kind I, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, but the timing was just uh, really right on. You said, now watch that strong drink there, and I just poured me a cup of coffee and was having a sip of it. <laughs> anyway, I want to welcome aboard. Uh, before we go on, I want to welcome aboard our very good friend, uh, Rick Buterick. Rick, we're, gl- we're very glad to have you with us. Can you hear us, Rick, and uh, are you on with us now? Hi, Rick. Uh, okay. President. Press- <laughs> <laughs> President Accountable, well, we're glad to have you with us. And, Rick, um, I was going to ask you, and I can send you an email, but uh, Edward Henry cannot be on on Monday night because he has to be out of town. Are you uh-huh. going to have to work this? Are you going to have to work this next Monday night? Um, you know, I have to, um, I'm on call, so um, it, it, it can change at any time. You know, if, so uh, if for some if for some reason you can be with us, yeah, um, I'd like I'd like for you to uh, kind of be the moderator for Monday night if you could. Maybe well, thank you, you for that pick, invitation. Yeah, maybe you could pick a topic that. Uh, is near and dear to your heart, and email me, and and I can get it out to everybody. So I wanted to let you know that opening is there, and uh, we'd love to have you be a moderator. 
on Monday night. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to go back now. I didn't mean to interrupt things, uh, Mark. But we have, okay. our house, we have our little housekeeping duties to do. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with you uh, on your – totally agree with you on your interpretation of those scriptures. Um, yeah. This, this tithing, this 10%, uh, mm-hmm. and then you have a lot of churches, you know, they – they're not happy with 10%. Then they want you to have an offering for the missions, an offering for the children's youth choir, an offering for the new carpeting, an offering for the new choir robes. And don't forget the new bell uh, chime choir, too. They want to buy their bells. <laughs> on and on it goes. Word stops, nobody knows. Go ahead. Bro. Right. Okay, so we looked at the last scripture. Now... Now let us look at the scripture that they always hurl at you without explanation in order to separate your money from you under false pretenses. Okay, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3 in the King James Version. Okay, starting off in verse 2 to verse 7. Okay, so verse 2, but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Verse 3, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Verse 4, then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old. As and as in former years. Verse 5, and I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? We must bear a few things in mind here. Number one, who was this written to? And number two, when was this written? Why is it that the Bible expositors are all about context in everything except tithing? Why indeed? Okay, so let us answer those questions from Scripture, for Scripture properly applied settles everything. Okay, Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 in the King James Version. Number one. The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Okay, Malachi, an Old Testament prophet. The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel. To who? Israel by Malachi. When? It's in the Old Covenant. Context, context, context. Proper context is so important that the necessity of getting it right cannot be overstated. The false teachers 
spread their error when we failed to get it right down to the most minute details. Okay, so now here we go. We're going to get into it here. So hold on tight. It's coming. Malachi chapter 3. Oh, first of all, comments on previous scripture that we just read? No. <laughs> you did fine. Okay, now here we go. All right, hold on tight, everybody. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 12, King James Version. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Verse 9, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the lord of hosts if i will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it verse 11 and i will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith the lord of hosts and verse 12, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay. In verse 10, what is to be kept in the Lord's house by tithing? Answer, meat. What is meat? Meat is food. What is to be in the Lord's house? Meat. What? Meat. I can't hear you. What's in the Lord's house? Meat. <laughs> now, I don't mean to be like an army drill sergeant on this, but if they were not so universally wrong on this, then I would not have to drill so hard on this, now would I? <laughs> so, um, now why doesn't it say money in verse 10? You already know the answer to that question, but I will say it again anyway. The tithe or the tenth part had nothing to do with money. The record of scripture is clear. It was oil and wine and grain and the firstlings of herds and flocks. Now here is something interesting. What does God say in verse 10? Prove me now herewith. Well, what does that mean? It sounds to me like God is saying to test him in this, in this. Well, isn't that interesting? The only place in scripture where you find the Lord telling you to test him in something. I, I find that very interesting indeed. So, so again, who is he speaking to? Uh, he is not speaking to anyone today. He is speaking to Israel when? He's speaking when Malachi wrote it out on the parchment of the scroll for the scribes to take care of. of. This, by the way, was long before modern times. This was even before the time of Christ by at least 400 years. It is so clear that they are manipulating the text for their own evil purposes that I really can't understand how people fall for it other than reasoning that they have been given by God to this delusion. That is really the only way that I can understand how people go for this massive deception. Larry, you got anything on that comment? Yeah, I just because you were, you know, doing this study, I probably was more cognizant uh, when someone brings it up. And just a couple days ago, I saw another 
posting on Facebook, and I thought, oh, I have to bring that up on the broadcast. Some minister oh. put on some minister put on Facebook. If you're not tithing, you might as well resign from your career because it's going nowhere. <laughs> oh, wow, that, that is incredible. Now, there's a good example of mind control. That's all that is. In other Absolutely. words, if you, exactly. I, you know what I, I told my wife, that sounds like, that that sounds like the Italian mafia going into a business and saying, if you don't give me 10% of your business, your business is not going to thrive. We'll make sure it won't thrive. It sounds just like that guy getting on Facebook and saying, if you don't tie 10% of your money to me, your career is going nowhere. Isn't that something? Wow, that is something. The arrogance, man, the presumption, just incredible. That is amazing. have anything? Yeah, yeah, uh, there, Rick, yeah. There was there was two points here about as far as the um, these two scriptures uh, about uh, therefore uh, the sons of Jacob are not consumed, and since our right. God is a God of war, uh, there's there's no way that uh, um, um, uh, if a, you have dead soldiers, you can't give any money if you're dead, mm-hmm. and therefore uh, God. Provides, and then to uh, the storehouse, which is a, yes. a, another a name for the storehouse is armory. So uh, uh, that storehouse meat that uh, we go to get the meat from um, is where we get the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, also. So right, right. If, if they're not supplying uh, life to the soldiers and weapons for the soldiers, right? Okay. Um, they're going to get killed anyway. Yeah. Because, again, we get, get back to our God as a God of war. Because yes. That, that that tells me that God does have enemies, so therefore he doesn't love everybody. So we go back right right back to Larry's book. So that's my comment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very good. <laughs> All right. Now let's continue. Okay, so next. Now wait a second. Didn't Jesus command tithing? Well, I'm glad you asked that because our next reading shows the answer. Okay, we're going to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 and 24 in the King James Version. Matthew chapter 23. And I believe everybody's familiar with this. Verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Verse 24, ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow at a camel. Now, this is where Jesus is laying some heavy criticism in the form of woes on the Pharisees, several of them, not just one, but several of them. He is seriously angry with them and is letting them know this in no uncertain terms. Ye blind guides, ye hypocrites, ye generation of vipers, ye servants, 
this is one of the few places in the New Testament scripture where, where Jesus gets so ticked off with the corrupt religious leaders that he starts calling them names. Everything Jesus that Jesus says to them in this chapter is in the form of scathing criticism. Now, pastors will say, see, Jesus commanded tithing. Well, even if that were the case, and it is not, it had nothing to do with money. Even the ancient societies in the time of Jesus had money. Notice what Jesus said, that they gave a tithe of mint and anise, or anise, I don't know how to say that, and cumin. What are those things? Those are spices and herbs that people use them in recipes today for cooking. You are tithing. Yeah, yep. So... In doing this, you're tithing right down to the very smallest piece of produce that you have, which say the Pharisees should have done, yet they were neglecting the weightier or more serious matters of the law, such as justice and mercy and faith and truth. They were straining at a gnat, lawfully speaking, and swallowing a camel. God was not concerned with their strict observance of silly little things when their heart were completely black with sin. Now, yes, Jesus does say here that you should have tithed. Again, we have to ask the question, who is Jesus talking to? He is talking to the Pharisees, the religious authorities of the church in that time, who are the Jews. When was he talking to them? Before his death. Jesus was a Jew, and the old covenant was still in effect during his lifetime. Jesus kept feasts, and he did all the things that a Jew would do. He offered sacrifices and went to the temple, as did all of these scribes and Pharisees, who, of course, were Jewish. Jesus had not yet spoken the words, it is finished. He had not yet raised the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. During this transitional period from the old covenant to the new covenant, Jesus was still operating in the context of the Old Covenant. Jesus is telling these men, yes, you should pay tithes, yet you should not have neglected mercy and truth. So, yes, he did say that they should do what they were doing, but you're still missing, we're still missing the point here. This is not even close to being a command to Christians of today to engage in this Old Testament practice that had a specific purpose in the Old Covenant, that being the support of the Levitical priesthood. So we have to understand who he, who Jesus was talking to and why he said what he said. Now, what about the story of the man that was healed by Jesus and Jesus told him to go and offer the sacrifice commanded by Moses to the priest? So that does that mean if someone gets healed today that they have to go to some priest and offer the prescribed sacrifice, a dove or whatever it was? There was a standard operating procedure, if you will, for obedience to God in these types of situations. And to yank it out of its historical t- context of then and there and erroneously apply it to the here and now is really quite ridiculous. He was speaking to a Jewish man in the first century before the Last Supper and before his death, 
and not to Christians today. So yes, they should tithe, and no, it does not apply to Christians today. So in their vain effort to substantiate tithing today, these hiring pastors of today will usually muddle around in First or Second Corinthians. But before I continue to that, is there any comments of what we just finished with? Yeah, uh, I have a uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Rick. Um, actual uh, uh, life experience, case in point. I had a uh, patient one time in a facility, and um, she had um, uh, those exact spices growing outside of uh, on her patio, and I asked oh, yeah. her. I asked her. I, I asked her. Now, I wasn't witnessing uh, on the job. I'm, I'm just. Make a conversation at work with her saying, you tithe those? And her answer was yes. Okay, she was Catholic. All right? I mean, it doesn't really matter what, uh, what denomination or whatever. But, um, it, right. um, uh, it was, so those are religious spirits, again, in those people, okay, that that are paying homage to that, that the Jesus of Catholicism, which is another Jesus. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the case, but the point is, is that um, Jesus said to those those relig- those religious spirits in those people in those leaders, okay, that that's mm-hmm. exactly what they do. They they tithe mint and, and those spices. They grow them. Yeah, they grow them and they tie them. Yeah, and they're I very mean- proud of it. they're very proud of that too because uh, because they did it. It was their the work of their hands. It wasn't the work of God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And we know what the New Testament says, that all who rely on observance of the law to maintain righteousness before God are under a curse. That's exactly right. Yeah, 20 years ago, I knew a Jewish guy named Norman, and he was always trying to keep the law, doing some kind of sacrifice in his apartment, and he was so tired all the time, and he had no energy, and so... Yeah, I haven't seen him in like 20 years. And so, but I remember it like it was yesterday. So, anyway, Larry, do you have a comment? You want to say, weigh in on this? Uh, yeah, I uh, I think that it's like we said in the last broadcast. Um, there's a, dis- a major distinction between the New Testament covenant of love and grace, which encompasses uh, good works. We are we are commanded to not be weary in well doing, and we right. are commanded to you're commanded to love our enemies as ourselves, yes. and we are commanded to reach out and love our neighbor as ourselves. We're not. I just want to make it clear to everyone here that we are not uh, speaking against uh, giving to the father and the fatherless and the widows and so on. What we're That's speaking right. against we're speaking against is this uh, law service that is perpetrated by religious leaders and making it mandatory for all of their called members, which uh, that's another whole broadcast, membership in churches. uh, Mm -hmm. Being on on a membership role is another one of those things. It's not biblical, okay? But I think that in a, in a nutshell, Christ 
made it real clear in yep. the 25th chapter of Matthew uh, what the what the covenant of grace, uh, the outworkings of the covenant of grace in the elect child of God, what it will do. Yes, yes. I won't read that, but you know, after the broadcast, y'all go to Matthew 25 and read verses 35 uh, through uh, through 40, and that will show you. We subscribe to good works, but we know that our good works have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. It's an outgrowth of our our salvation. We've been predestinated and conformed unto good works. And like Brother Rick was saying, you know, and and Mark, Roman Catholicism uh, and the Council of Trent affirms that it is a mixture of works and grace. And they don't right. they don't talk about imputed righteousness. They talk about imparted righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so, so Mark Kennedy is absolutely correct. If you have a preacher or a minister or a pastor or a deacon or an elder uh, that comes to you and says, you know, we know how much income you're making and you're not giving your proper 10%, shake off the dust of your feet and get footloose and fancy free and go to a New Testament church. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's right. Good advice. Very good advice. Okay, let's continue. So I alluded to our next part. So in their vain effort to substantiate tithing today, these hireling pastors of today will usually muddle around in First or Second Corinthians. So here is what they use to bamboozle you into their deception. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, King James Version only. Verse 1, now concerning the collections for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So they will conveniently stop there and say, Paul is commanding that this be done every week. Tithing is a weekly thing. They say, you should be doing this every week. Some pastors even have the audacity to urge some of their congregants to set up automatic withdrawals on their bank accounts so that their tithes will be paid when they go on vacation. Can you believe that nonsense? What arrogance and presumption. So every week off the top, they've got their little principles that they go to, and they have their little sound bites ready. Are we going to rob God in in offerings, you guys? God says, test him in this. Oh, and I love this one. God loveth the cheerful giver. Are you serious? God loveth the cheerful giver from 2 Corinthians 9 is a reference to 1 Corinthians 16. So what is Paul saying here? I gave orders to the church in Galatia, and now I am giving orders to you in Corinth on the first day of the week to set something aside. That way we don't have to do it when I get there. Comments, anybody? 
Well, I think I think that uh, that's what they ought to do in the churches. They ought to, if, if if somebody wants to give, you know, yeah. that's all. Right. Put a box back in the back. You don't have to have ushers come around and stick a plate right. under your nose and scowl at you if they don't think you're giving enough. Okay. In other words, I think what right. Paul was doing there was just judicious. In other words, he wasn't forbidding people to give. What he was right. saying is, let's let's do this in proper order, so that when right. I come, we don't have to make a big deal about begging to everybody. <laughs> right, right, like a beggarson. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember those uh, Jerry Lewis telephones they had back in the 70s, and you'd see him working the crowd, TV audience, and the people on the phones behind him and everything. I remember those, and the Jerry Lewis and the Dean Martin telethons, you know, for muscular dystrophy and all of that back in the day. Yeah. They were always saying that we're right on the cusp of a breakthrough. Okay, yeah. <laughs> bilking, bilking the the populace with your donation (laughs) (laughs) all right later on later on they started offering little little gifts you know whether it was the cancer society whatever it was if you'll give this gift you'll get a free t-shirt or you give this gift and we'll send you a, a bag, a satchel bag, or whatever, you know. It kind of reminds me of a bank when you open a bank account. If you'll put in $100 in the bank account, we'll give you a, a silver certificate or something. You know, it's all it's all scamming. Yeah, it's a big scam. Yeah. And the spirit right. of commercialism has come into uh, 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 has come right into those churches that uh, draw those people that have those same spirits in them, okay? Yeah. Birds of a feather flock together, you know? Mm-hmm. And you go, why am I here, you know? Or are they witnessing? And said, no, those are two religious spirits arguing with each other, you know? Yeah. Instead of, you know, if they don't take it on the first or second admonition, leave them alone. So they're still right. after, you know, three weeks, they're still arguing on that on that same issue, you know? And so it's... Yeah. I heard yeah. the other day, Rick, Goats, goats uh, together milk each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they spell they spell the word faith M O O C H. All right. Well, let's continue here. So. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. What was my last one? Oh, yeah. One, two. Continuing in First Corinthians 16, verse 3. And when I come, whomever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Verse 4. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now, what is going on in Jerusalem here? Destitution. We have a bunch of starving, poor saints in Jerusalem. This is not the first time that this has happened. If you look in the book of Acts, you will see that there were gifts taken to Jerusalem. 
the prophet Agabus foretold in prophecy of a coming famine and the saints in Jerusalem had nothing. Now, this, this was not a collection for Paul's salary. This was, hey, we have some starving, hurting brothers and sisters here in Jerusalem. Could you please help us? That's right. And in, yeah. response, and in response, Paul said, whoever you approve in your letters, I will send to bear, to bear your gifts. This is this gift. This is a gift on an as-needed basis. To who? The saints in Jerusalem for relieving them. And that is the context of it. Comments? Yeah. That's exactly right. You nailed it. And, you know, we know the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He labored with his hands. And yep. he, didn't, he didn't like to take money from, uh, from people. He wanted to be, a, he wanted to be a, a fellow co-laborer and a servant to the people, not a taker. I went, to school right. with a, I went to school with a fellow, and we got ready for our graduation, and I was talking to him, and I asked him, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What kind of job are you going to get? And he goes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a minister, and I'm going to make a million dollars. And I go, really? <laughs> and you know, wow. you know he did. He, uh, he, he still has the church he started in Kansas, and it's called a, it's a Life Center. He's traveled uh, all over the. He's traveled all over the world. He's added to that mega church over and over again. Wow. And so, can we say? Can we say that God blessed his ministry? No. What we can no. say is, this man had the spirit of Lucifer in that he wanted. All of the things of this world, that was his motivation, was to get filthy rich out of building right. a mega tree, and he has done it. He has done mm-hmm. it. Yep. And when he stands before the tribunal of God, what will he have to say for himself then? Hey, I gotta Not- I gotta share I gotta share something with you guys. This is a quite a contrast. Uh uh-huh. Kevin has been out here where we live, and, of course, I get all these people on Facebook. They're always, you know, begging for money, and I try to tell them, look, I'm retired. I don't have any money, <laughs> okay? But, I, you know, I mean, I try to listen to people. But anyway, uh, we're way out in the boonies, and we broadcast here from a shed that I made into a little office. It's actually a shed, okay? Well, anyway, we have this little road that runs up and down in front of the the little shed here where we broadcast and these kids were riding the bike and I'm getting ready to come in here to do talk shoe and they stopped and they said, do you live in that shed? <laughs> I said, no. I said, uh, that's my office. They go, that's a shed. And I go, yeah, but, but I made it into all. Oh, you want to see inside it? So they go, yeah. So I opened up the door and they go, yeah, yeah, it's an office. but it's still a shed. <laughs> I, just, funny. I, I just thought I'd share that in contrast to what we're talking about these mega churches out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a yeah. yeah. It's your little tabernacle in the wilderness, Larry. It, it, it doesn't look. Uh, there's no appearance uh, comely that, that that would draw men to it. Yeah, a little when you walk inside, the glory of God is in it. 
Yeah, the little brown church in the wildwood. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's continue then. All right. So now we got another scripture in, let's see, we were in 1 Corinthians 16. Now we're going to go to, let's see, uh, where was I? Uh, okay, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 5 in the King James only. All right, verse 1. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Verse 2, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready and your zeal hath provoked very many. Verse 3, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Verse 4, lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not, ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Verse 5, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. Again, this is to service the saints in need and not for a pastoral salary. And again, this is a gift on an as-needed basis. Paul, to all these other churches that they were ready to help the saints in Jerusalem, so he decided to send people ahead of the time to make sure that it was going to happen so that they would not look foolish in case that it did not go as planned. Comments, anybody? Well, we've got some um, uh, Emmanuel Roberts and Lisa Saluba and Elijah Williams all Ah. agree with all agree with you. They all agree with with your teaching, brother. Okay. Thank you. God bless you all. All right, let's keep going. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 9, King James Version. Verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse 9, As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. So here we go. So God loveth the cheerful giver is often quoted by itself in isolation. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. They will say things like tithing isn't necessary for the New Test necessarily for the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't give us any parameters. A tithe should be the baseline, they say. I should be able to start with ten percent. This is not what God has to say on the matter. 
as each one in his heart, let him give is what God has to say about it. See, there's freedom right there, freedom. There are these big-time televangelists. I'm not going to drop any names, so don't worry. I won't expose your guru preacher if that's what you're into, that make these big boasts like the one about giving away 90% in tithes and living on 10% of what's left. Newsflash. God is not impressed with your fake altruism. God says to them, you have your reward in full here and now, and will and will be weighed and found wanting on Judgment Day, so enjoy your life because you're going down. Anyway, comments, anybody? Well, I agree with you. I think that, you know, this aspect of what I call self-piety, you know. Yeah. Um, people try to make themselves look, uh, you know, really pious and so on. And mm-hmm. I've been around, been around a lot of those people that when you walk up to them, they, they're kind of wimpy. They kind of have a feminization about them, and yeah. kind of have they can they can turn on the tears on the drop of a hat. You know? Oh yeah. I mentioned names. I mean, I used to watch Jim Baker and people talk. Oh, isn't he? Isn't he a holy, righteous man? Because he could turn on the tears on a drop of a hat. Yeah, he he's a good actor. I got a comment on that, Larry. Was uh, this one former worker at uh, PTL? Um, as one person would say, uh, stands for pass the loot, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, they they were all it was scripted just like just like a movie set, you know they wow. would, you know give out the uh, invitation to give, you know, uh, with Jim colon give out the uh, okay we're, we're giving out the invitation to give and then the next line Tammy colon Tammy cries. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all scripted. I'm telling you, it's that. That's amazing. I knew, a, I know, I heard about a Pentecostal church up in the Kansas City area, and they had a little, they had an organ player that had a button on the side of the organ, and he uh-huh. put the music real good, and when he pushed this button, a little red <laughs> light, would, that would be a, sing, a signal for everybody to start speaking in thumbs. Wow. <laughs> Oh, it was a little prearranged signal kind of thing, huh? Yes. Talk wow. about blas- Talk about blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, it's about 10 to the hour, so I think we can get in one more reading, and then we can save the rest for next time for a third part. Why don't we do that, Larry? That sounds good, and then that way I can make a few announcements before we conclude. Okay. All right, I'm going to do one more reading, and then we'll save the rest for a third part next Wednesday. How's that sound, everyone? Sounds good. Okay. great, yeah. Uh Final reading for the day, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 to 12 in the King James Version. Verse 10, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. 
verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but it is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. So ask yourself, why do these pastors refuse to give you the full context of 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 9? These were one-time situations that happened on an as-needed basis The saints in Jerusalem need help. Can we step up to the plate and help them? So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of obligation or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So these pastors are taking this and saying, God loves a cheerful giver. We need to give to the work of the Lord. And then they use this to substantiate it. These two examples. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 9, they have nothing to do with paying salaries, paying rent for a big building, nothing like that. It has everything to do with supplying the needs of a group of people who have nothing. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 to 12, paraphrase, now may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints. Again, this was not a collection for Paul. Paul was not a pastor, by the way, but an apostle. He was not saying, hey, guys, we need to give to the church. They were already giving to the church the biblical definition of a church, church, which is a group of people who needed help. This was specific and on an as-needed basis. It was not a weekly event. Paul said on the first day of the week, set something aside for the express purpose of our coming, and then we will gather together what you have and send people to to deliver it. Paul wasn't going back and forth every week to current to Corinth every week or even every month. He he only did this as it was needed. So ask your pastor if you can, why are they not giving you the complete historical analysis on this and see what happens? They will probably start getting mad as they scrounge around in scripture here and there in a vain effort to make unbiblical doctrine on this. So the way that these New Testament saints took care of each other was a magnificent display of the glory of the Lord to the unbelieving world of that time and place. We should emulate their example, and at this time we will leave off there and pick up there, Lord willing, next week and continue in Second Corinthians 9. Sounds really good. What came to my mind as you were talking is that passage of Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. And these people oh, yeah. are, are driven by the love of money. Not just money, but the lust for power, prestige, fame. You know, it's all uh, the pride of life is what it is. So really good work on your study. I really enjoyed it, and I know everyone else has as well. I want to thank you for all your work on this, Mark, and uh, your judiciousness in, in searching these things out. 
Rick, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, it was just the uh, piggyback on on uh, one of the qualifications of a leader is that they have uh, not a love of filthy lucre. Yes, right. yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to remind people that we will be having our uh, worship service here at Pineville Grace Fellowship Sunday morning at 10 o'clock Central Time. We will be live on Facebook. And then Mark Kennedy has agreed to join me Sunday night and yes. help out. And we'll have a talk show and a worship service on Sunday evening. Uh, Monday evening, uh, Ed Henry cannot be with us, but we're going to see if we can corral <laughs> Rick Butterick uh, in to moderate for us and to bring up a topic. And if you can't, don't feel bad, Rick. We'll we'll figure it out. But I just we'd love to have you if you can make it. We're reminded of uh, of a of a preacher was, who uh, was asked um, uh, at a at a faith church. He goes, uh, "What are you going to preach on, Hubert?" He goes, uh, "Doubt." And uh, somebody asked him, what are you going to preach? And I ever doubt, doubt at a faith church? He said, yeah, I want to be on the Holy Spirit side. <laughs> That's good. That's... Well, listen, uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. We've had a good group of people. Uh, yeah. I want to thank uh, everybody on Facebook that has joined us. Good group of folks. And I uh, hope... You all have a good evening, a blessed evening. Thank you again, Mark. Thank you, uh, Rick. And Kevin, uh, I'm sorry you had difficulty. We're trying to get Kevin. Uh, I'm going to try to record his program that he's doing at 3.30 Sunday afternoon on Facebook Live. I'm going to try to record that and place it on Sermon Audio. If I can do that, I'll see if we can get that to happen as well. So with that, I I think we're going to conclude tonight. Uh, thanks again, everyone. God bless. And Mark, we'll look forward to next week being having part three of this study. Okay. We'll we'll great. finish it off. We'll finish it off in the third installment, so we can have three parts, just like the Holy Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sounds good to me. All right, All right. you guys. You guys have a good evening, and we'll look forward to talking to you all again soon. Good night for now. Thanks. God bless Rick. God bless you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.